planted, not buried. That's it. Planted, not buried. That's been our statement of faith. That's been the title of this series for these many weeks we've been together, centered around this idea that we are planted, not buried. And this title is so significant because this is more than just a name put on a collection of sermons. It, it's more than even some place or some destination I'm trying to guide you to. Planted, not buried is not some place. It's a perspective. Come on, those of you who have been joining us through this series, maybe you've been listening, watching, joining in person, however you've been connecting with God's word in this series, you know because you've heard it every week. This is a perspective we're trying to take on to change the way we see all that we see. That no matter where we're at, no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, no matter what's happening around us, we know what's true on the inside of us. And so wherever we might be, we are planted, not buried. Because we have been working, all oh, some of you remember this, but we have been working to get the right character on the inside of us. Come on, to get the makeup that we need deep down on the inside of us. Because if we have the right character, we can handle absolutely any condition we find ourselves in, including the dark. Come on, in part three of this series, we uh, ask the significant question that are you afraid of the dark? And I ain't just talking about the lights being off, no. I'm talking about living in a, in a space and living in a place where delays are your norm and where anonymity becomes your reality and regression is the only movement that's being made in your life because you feel kindled in this spot. You feel trapped in this season. But we learned that even in the dark, we are planted, not buried. Come on, somebody right now at Church Online, somebody watching this, if this has been true for you, you're beginning to see all you see in this way, would you just put in the chat right now, I am planted, not buried. Come on, even say it by faith. I am planted, not buried. Now, there is an element of being planted that some overlook and others misdefine. And it is the weight There is a weight involved in being planted. When you plant anything, come on, you take that thing and you place it in the ground. There is a time period where it looks like on the surface that nothing is happening. It appears on this base level that there is nothing being produced, that nothing is changing, that nothing is prospering, that nothing is becoming any different. But if you had the ability to look below the surface, if you had the opportunity to see what's going on inside of and around that thing that was put in the ground, because from your perspective, it don't look like anything's happening. From where you sit and what you see, it doesn't seem like any change is occurring. But if you could see below the surface, if you could get below the ground, if you could deep dive into the soil, you'd see there's good work happening in the weight. There's good work happening in the weight. Now let me ask you a personal question on today. 
How good are you at waiting? <laughs> I say that with a smile for those of you who just listened to the podcast because I know that some of you, quite honestly, you are filled with patience. You just are. It doesn't matter how long it takes to check out of the grocery store. You're just glad you can buy your, your food at the grocery store instead of having to, having to harvest this from the garden yourself. Like, like you've got that kind of patience. It doesn't matter how slow the traffic is around you. You're just glad to have a car. You're going to get there when you get there. And so you ain't really all that. You just, you, you, you've got some patience to you. It doesn't matter that you walked in and they told you to take a number and sit down and they'll get to you when they get to you. You're okay with that because there's a patience to you. You're just filled with patience. Others of us, not so much. We, we, we don't wait nearly as well. We just can't sit back and ignore the, snow, the slowness. Come on, somebody, if that's you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you feel me. You got to find the shortest line possible at the Walmart. You know what I'm saying? You approached all the checkouts from one side, but you will walk your tail all the way down to the other end and come back just to do an evaluation and make sure that whatever line you choose is far and away the one with the fastest cashier and the shortest line. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you got to, you got to, because you, you're impatient. You, uh, you are going to move yourself into the lane of traffic that is moving. You can't be behind these people going four miles under the speed limit. The speed limit is the posted suggested minimum in your mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you got to go. You got to get there. You're impatient. You can always eat at the restaurant that can seat you now. But if they tell you it's going to take 35 minutes to get a table, <laughs> no. No, it's not because I ain't going to be here. Like, there's an impatience to you. And if that's you, 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 you're a little impatient. I get you. <laughs> I understand you. I am you. Uh, but the waiting I'm talking about when it concerns God, the waiting I'm talking about when it concerns being planted, not buried, well, truthfully, it's a different kind of waiting. Which would lead me to a second but more important question. Not just how good are you at waiting, because you may be a patient person with other things. You may be an impatient person with the majority of things in your life. And that does not directly connect to the more significant question today. How good are you at waiting on God? Because some of you may be very patient people when it concerns getting a package in the mail that was supposed to be here yesterday and it still ain't arrived. And why are they trying to tell me it's because of the weather? Like you may be very patient in those situations and not good at waiting on God. You may be an impatient person when it comes to deadlines and due dates. We better get this stuff done and let's go, go, go. But maybe you have patience concerning waiting on God. It does not mean that one equals this and two equals that. No, 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 no. The real question is, how good are you at waiting on God? The truth is, most of us don't wait on God well. Whether you call yourself patient or impatient, we don't wait on God well. When the assignment from God for us is to wait on him, we often respond with the fact that we can't wait. We won't wait. 
So we don't wait. And maybe it's because we don't know how to wait. Most of us act in a way, responding to God when he says, wait. When our orders are to wait. When we are in a place and we are planted there, not buried there, but part of that planting process involves, necessitates a wait. We don't do it well. But can I tell you something today that in the next few moments I want to prove to you? God moves when we wait. God gets to work when we do the work of waiting. I don't just say that as some spiritual axiom, some Christian fortune cookie type of saying. No, 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 no. This is rooted in the truth of the heart of Scripture. The prophet Isaiah communicates these powerful words of God. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4, it says this. It says, from ancient times, no one has heard, no one has listened, no eye has seen any God except you. Listen to what he says. Who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. The prophet says from, from ancient times till now, we could say from ancient times like Isaiah knew and before Isaiah, until now. No eye has seen, nobody has experienced any God like our God who will move on behalf of those who wait for him, who will act on behalf of those who wait for him. So if God moves when we wait, don't you think it'd be a good idea to learn how to wait well? Like if God moves when you wait, if God acts, if he gets involved, if he starts to change, if he starts to do what only he can do, when you, when I learn how to wait, when we are actively waiting, don't you think it would be a good idea to learn how to wait? Well, because there is a difference between simply waiting and waiting right. There's a difference between just waiting and waiting well. There are people who will tell you they are waiting on God, and the problem is they may think in their mind they're waiting, but they are not waiting well. Therefore, God is not going to act like he promised to act because he promised to act when we wait well. I mean, some of us be walking around acting like the people who are very confident that they are doing the thing the right way. But the truth is, upon inspection, you ain't doing the thing the right way. There is a fast food establishment that sort of prides themselves on customer service and getting your order right every time. And my family frequents this particular establishment. Now, I will keep this establishment anonymous uh, for the sake of the establishment. But um, we frequent it quite a bit. And we frequent it so much that, um, well, we, we have had many, many, many very, very good experiences. But we have also had more than a few times where we roll through the drive-through and are handed a bag of food 
only to arrive at wherever it is, typically the house, <laughs> that we we're going to eat said bag of food, to find that all the food we ordered, or the food that we actually ordered, is not in the bag. And so now, I am one of them people, uh, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. And so when this has happened one time, you think, oh, it's an accident. E even, even disestablishment can make an accident. But when it's happened uh, four, five, six different times, you, you, you got to start operating differently. And so I can remember one time, not too long ago, had gone through the drive through at this establishment, ordered our food. They had repeated the order to me. We had paid for that food. We, we then were handed a bag of food. Upon which I began to look through this la these large bags of food because this particular order, we were uh, feeding quite a few people. And I wanted to make sure everybody's order was accounted for in there because I don't know if y'all know this, but sometimes as the father, you have to be the, like the, the sacrificial person when, when somebody's food don't show up. So if, if your fry is gone, uh, or uh, nobody cares, but if their fry, fry is gone, then your fry is gone too. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if, if your nuggets is missing, nobody cares. If their nuggets is missing, your nuggets become their nuggets because they're so hungry. And I ain't about that life. And so I was going to go through this bag. And I'm looking through the bag, and I could tell the people at this establishment were frustrated with me because they, they told me so. They said, everything's in the bag. And I said, I, I, I'm going to be the judge of that. <laughs> yes, I am. And, and they, they, they said, we, we are confident. We pride ourselves on, on this. And I said, it's, it's, it's okay. I said, honestly, I said, the truth is, y'all have messed up my order so many times. I've gotten to my house so many times and not had everything. It'll just do my heart good to check. Because they were confident. <laughs> they were preparing the bags correctly. And they did many times. We had just been missed many times. And I think there are some of us today, maybe sitting in your house, maybe listening to this podcast, maybe you're watching this at church online, you're commenting in the comments, and you think you're waiting on God well. And God is looking in your bag today, talking about, <laughs> he's examining what you actually do, how you actually wait. And maybe today would be a wake-up call for you. Because if God moves, when we wait, friend, I believe it is very important that we learn how to wait well, that we don't just assume that we're waiting well. We don't just presume that I know how to wait on God, that, that it looks like this when maybe we're not waiting well. Maybe some of the frustrating your frustration you're experiencing in this season of life is because you think you're waiting well, and God is looking down from heaven upon you and saying, they don't know the first thing about waiting. I hope they listen to the preacher today. You see, I believe there are a few very common ways that people wait. Many of them are incorrect. One of them is very correct. But while this list isn't meant to be exhaustive, I do think it will wrap up the majority of us when it concerns how we go about waiting on God. If you're taking notes today, I'd love for you to write a few things down. When it comes to waiting on God, how do you wait? How is it that you wait? Are you, write this down, a statue? 
Do you wait like a statue? You do nothing. You think waiting on God is you sitting around doing as little as possible because you think if God wants it to happen, then God's going to make it happen. If he wants me to move, he's going to make me move. If he wants me to change, he's going to force me to change. I shall not be moved. That's your favorite song, you know? Like, like I ain't talking about the way that you worship. I'm talking about the fact that you won't move at all. You ain't going to do anything. Maybe even you're the type that talks about how you're always looking for a miracle to save you. But you're never mature enough to take the next right step. You're a statue. You don't move. And some of you think that waiting on God is being in a space, being in a position, being in a place where you do nothing, where you go nowhere, where you say no thing, you serve in no way, you, you help, you contribute in no way. I'm just going to be here. You're a statue. And if you're a statue, you need to understand something today. That ain't waiting on God. That's laziness. Some of you are calling it waiting. But really, you're wasting. You're calling it waiting. But really, you are lazy about the things of God. Lazy about his purposes. Lazy about his principles. You are lazy and you are trying to spiritualize it by saying, I'm just waiting on the Lord. You're a statue. And you ain't waiting. Right? When it comes to waiting on God, some people are a statue. Some people are sprinters. They be going, going, going. They're waiting on God, but everything they do is past. So they'll tell you they're waiting on God, but they're going, going, going. Believing by faith that somehow God will catch up to them. They just gonna go and move and move and move and move. And here's the honest truth. You're doing too much. You're going too fast. You are causing chaos and doing unwise, ungodly things, hoping that somehow God will come along and save you, hoping that God will catch up and bless you, and, 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 and you missed it. Maybe, maybe you need to move at God's pace rather than thinking that God's pace is always the fastest and he just needs to catch up to you. See, the tricky thing is, is sometimes people who are sprinters, sometimes people who call their waiting on God moving fast, feel confident because it looks like faith. We're going to go. and We're going to do this. And we don't have a plan and we don't have the people and we don't have the resources. And I don't know how, but we are going to go, go, go. And we call it faith, but really it's foolish. I tell you, there are a lot of people who do what I do, <laughs> that they're waiting on God is sprinting. They, they, they lead in the church space. They're, they're pastors and teachers and the leaders. And they think that waiting on God is go, 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 go. And sometimes God says go. But the truth is, a lot of 
lot of times we just going because we think that's what it is to wait. And that God will catch up and God will save and God will figure it all out. And God will fix everything that we messed up. And, and it looks like faith. And people say, oh, you had so much faith when really you're just foolish. What does it look like to wait on God? How do you wait? Some people are statues and some people are sprinters. And some people, you write this down, they're schizophrenic. If you need help spelling that, it's okay. It's right here on the screen. You can, you can Google this jump. Hopefully your phone, if you're taking notes in a, a, you know, online, your phone will correct it for you. Schizophrenic. One day you're not moving, and the next day you're moving too much. One day nobody can force you to change. Nobody can force you to do. The next day you out here trying to do too much too fast. These folks will sit around and not do anything for God. And then try to do everything for God. And then be back to do nothing for God. All in the same weekend. <laughs> Schizophrenic. I'm, I'm just in a waiting season. Why did that waiting season end in 20 hours? <laughs> you know? And I got to do all the things because this is what it means to wait. And I, gotta, I ain't going to do nothing. God didn't bless it. See, I want to ask those of you who it seems to be all over the place for you what it looks like to wait. Why can't you be consistent? Because like, on one hand, you talk about how I ain't going to pray about it. God will just, God will just do it if God wants to do it. And then the next day, it's the, it's the prayer request that you post on every social channel you got. It's the prayer request you talking to God about. It's the prayer request you bring to midweek prayer. It's the prayer request you bring to your, your prayer friend. And it's just like, ah! And then you go right back to not praying. Do we pray or not? <laughs> Are we people of prayer or not? <laughs> See, the truth is, is that some of us, we schizophrenic in our praying when we're waiting. And sometimes we're praying all about it, sometimes we're not praying. What are, are we people of prayer or not? Are we generous people or not? Because some people will be like, like, they give, and then all of a sudden things get a little tight, but they're in this waiting season, oh, I better not give. I'm going to give them my time, no, I'm not. I'm going to give them my money, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm going to give them my talent, no, I'm not. And it's schizophrenic, we don't. It's this, and then it's that. It's this. Do we serve or do we not? Because one day you talk about, I'll do anything for God, and then you start serving, and you're like, oh, I, I, I can't, I can't, I'm just supposed to not serve. I'm in a waiting I got to heal. What? You're schizophrenic. You're, your waiting is all over the place. I'm going to forgive them. I know they hurt me, and then the next day you wake up, I ain't ever forgiven them. Are we people who forgive 70 times 7 or not? See, we don't know how to wait. Always got a new word. Always got a fresh vision. Always need a new revelation. It sounds spiritual, but it's schizo. And this is the way some people wait on God. Because they don't have clarity and they don't have confidence. So they just, it's almost like they're just throwing things at the wall, finding something That'll stick. Some people, they're waiting on God. They wait like statues. Some people, they wait and they're sprinting. Some people, they wait and they schizo. They statue and sprint. They're a sprinting statue. It's a confusing situation. But there's one more way very common to wait on God. It's the way he's called us to. And it's what I will just call steady. 
You know what it looks like to wait on God? Steadiness. You keep doing the last thing God said with faithfulness, with consistency, and with energy. You don't bring less zeal to the table because, well, you've been doing the same thing for the last five years. That doesn't give you a license to back up or back down. That doesn't give you an excuse to say, well, well, maybe I just don't really know. No, no, you're steady. You don't need a new word every week. You don't need a new plan, a new direction, a new commendation, a new touch from God every day. Because you stand on the promises of his word. You believe the promises of God and his word are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so if the son of man did not come to be served but to serve, you're going to serve in every season. If God loved the world so much that he gave, you're going to love the world he put you in so much that you give of yourself. If he forgave you, you're going to forgive up. There's a steadiness to it. It doesn't go up and down. It's not this way one day and that way the next. There's no duplicity and schizophrenia on the inside of you. You're not out here running around trying to cash checks that you need God to bring the resource for. But you're also not talking about, I ain't going to do nothing unless God makes me. There's a steadiness to you. Steady waiting. That's how you wait well. Steady waiting. It doesn't sound very much like sitting in a recliner waiting on God to do what only God can do, does it? Well, that's not the picture or the articulation given to us in Psalm 37. Psalm 37 gives us instruction in what it looks like to be steady. And to wait well. I know when we often think of the Psalms, we think of these songs of praise or these psalms of these songs and poems of, of lament. Here's the truth. Psalm 37 gives us wisdom, instruction, and we're gonna read nine verses together. And then what I want to do today, in these few moments that we have together, is really I just want to teach you how to wait well. Because the truth is a lot of the time that we spend following Jesus, we're going to spend waiting. But the reality is, I said it before, I will say it again. Many of us do not know how to wait well. Many of us know how to wait well, and we are not choosing to wait well. And so I want to make it painstakingly clear as we look at what Psalm 37 teaches us about waiting well. Verse 1, Psalm 37 says this. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like the grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Make right, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by the one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. 
For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. There are four things specifically I want to show you about waiting well. I want to show you how in this season of your life, whether you're in high school or college, whether you're retired, whether you're working a full-time job, whether you've got a family you're caring for, whether it's just you on your own, you're navigating, whatever life may look like, please hear me. We all, myself included, find ourselves regularly in places, regularly in seasons, where we have to learn how to wait on God. And if what Isaiah said is true, that he acts on behalf of those who wait on him, baby, we got to learn how to wait well. And so today I want to show you how. From the wisdom of Psalm 37. Would you write this first? Instruction down. If you're going to wait well, number one, you have to stay focused. If you are going to wait well, you have to stay focused. Please hear me. I told you I'm going to teach today, so I'm about to hit you. You better be ready to write some extra notes online. You better be ready to write some stuff. You keep that pencil ready. You ready? Because the greatest enemy of waiting well isn't delay. It's distraction. The greatest enemy of waiting well is not delay. That's what you say. It's taken so long, but time is relative. The only reason you believe it is taking so long is because you see them getting to where you wanted to get quicker than you're getting to where you want to get. The greatest enemy of waiting isn't delay. It's distraction. You see them prospering. You see them growing. You see them changing. And it bothers you. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 37 says, says, don't worry about what's happening with other people. Don't worry about them evildoers. Don't worry about them folk going where you hoped to go. Stay focused. Because when I see them prospering, and when I see folk who don't even love God getting what I've been waiting on, when it happens for them and it not for me, I get distracted. You do too. We got to stay focused. Somebody in that chat just needs to type, stay focused, stay focused. Somebody needs to say this to themselves sitting in your den right now. Stay focused. Because what happens is I start obsessing about a result rather than committing myself to wait like he's told me to wait. The reason some of you feel such impatience is because you're unfocused. Rather than focus on your assignment in this season, rather than focus on your God in this moment, you get focused on other things going on around you. See, you got to keep your attention on God, not the goods. Otherwise, the goods will become your God. You have to keep your attention on God. You have to keep your attention on what he said. You have to keep your attention on where he's calling you to go. Otherwise, you will be distracted by the goods that other people have, the goods that other people see, the goods going on in other people's life, and it will cause you to not wait like you're supposed to wait because those goods will become your God, and you will do anything and everything to see that good come to you. You know, there ain't nothing... Spiritual people love more 
than a verse that'll prove their point. People love to take Bible verses and try to slap them on what they already think. They talk about thus saith the Lord. The funny thing is, is we love to take these little anecdotal statements and divorce them from their context. We love to take, it's interesting, when we're stamping verses on our life, we love to take the positive ones, don't we? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I love that. It's great. It's a positive encouragement for me on the day. Do you know Zephaniah chapter 1 had a statement about the day? He said, this is the day of wrath, of trouble, the day of distress, the day of devastation, the day of desolation. I ain't seen nobody try to tweet that verse recently. Nobody talk about this in my life verse. Talk about this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and we love that. We don't want anything to do with this is the day. The Lord, the day of wrath. Filled with devastation and destruction. Why do I bring this contrast to you? Because I need you to see something. When you read the scriptures in their context. When you examine the lives of the women and the men who follow God, whose stories were recorded down in what we call the Bible, please understand, almost all of them suffered. And they suffered greatly. Waiting was normal for them. God told Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abraham was like, bet, let's get this going. 25 years later, it gets started. And then 12, 13 years after it gets started, he has his son. God, God almost, it seems like Abraham is being told to have to restart this thing. And he's like, ah! God anointed Dan, uh, David as king. But he didn't appoint him to the kingship for almost 15 years. Waiting. Waiting. God told Moses he was going to use him to lead his people out of captivity in Egypt and take them to a promised land. They spent 40 years waiting. And it wasn't a pleasant 40 years. 40 years where Moses had more problems than he knew what to do with. So many problems, his father-in-law came to him and said, Moses, you got to spend more time with your family because I'm tired of them being in my house. <laughs> they suffered. They struggled. Hebrews chapter 11 that gives us the hall of faith talks about great men and women of God. But it literally makes this line that they were, they were beaten and they were fed to lions and, and, they, and they suffered and they, they struggled. And it says they were too good for this world. We got to learn how to wait well. And the primary reality of waiting well is to stay focused on what God has for you. Stay focused on his assignment 
to you. Don't worry, Jeremiah, that your story isn't like Daniel. Daniel presented himself to kings. Every elected and every king Daniel interacted with loved Daniel. Jeremiah had no love his entire life. From the people he was prophesying to, the kings he was prophesying against, no love. Don't worry about it. Run your race. Stay focused. Because it's good for you if God says it's for you, whether or not it looks good to anybody else. So you have to start not worrying about what's going on in their life. And not worrying about what's happening with them. Otherwise, you will want the goods and turn the goods into your God. And you'll start doing things, quote unquote, by faith to get the goods. And it ain't God. You got to learn how to wait well. Stay focused. You got to learn how to wait well. Write this down. And do trust. Do trust. What do you mean? Trust is a verb. Many of us, particularly people of faith, spiritual folk, treat trust like it's a noun. It's a verb. If I say that I trust you, but I never do anything that demonstrates that I trust you, do I trust you? If I say I trust you, but yet uh, I don't feel comfortable enough handing you my credit card to run to the store to get something I may need, do I trust you? Because I think you're going to go by the gas station and spend you about $40 getting some stuff that you want and maybe, maybe run by another store, pick you up a little shirt, and just hope I don't notice these things on the, on the, do I trust you? Do I trust you if I tell you I'll trust you, but I won't hand you the keys to my car to Drive it around the block. Do I trust you? Do I trust you if I tell you I trust you, but yet I won't give you the opportunity or won't give you the responsibility and take my hands off? Do I really trust you? Hear me today, friend. If your trust in God is all thoughts and prayers, hopes and dreams, and it's not reflected in your calendar, you're not doing trust. So my calendar, yeah. Do you trust God enough to give him priority, to give him space in your calendar? Everybody loves to talk about how busy they are. Look, I know, I know, people busy. But do you love God? Do you trust him enough to carve out space in your calendar to say, God, every day I'm going to spend moments with you. I want to hear from you from your word directly. I'm going to talk to you because you're my father in heaven who loves me. Do you trust him enough? Do you do trust enough to carve out that time? Do you do trust enough to say, God, I'm going to give you the first and the best of every week. So every Sunday, I'm going to make it a priority to be in your house. I'm going to make it a priority to hear your word. I'm going to make it a priority to worship with, with your people. Do you make that a priority online? Do you make that a priority in person? Or is it something that if I feel all right, I'll do? Trust is not a noun. It's not some concept it's not a person, place, thing, or idea. Take you back to English class. No. It's a verb. You do trust. If all your trust in God is thoughts and prayers, if it's hopes and dreams, and it's not reflected in your budget, <laughs> you're not doing trust. 
We love to say God is my provider. Is he? Do you trust him like that? Well, let's go to your online banking and find out. I mean, that's what the word says. <laughs> do, do, do you trust him enough to return to him the first and the best of all your increase? Or do you wait and see if you have something left over after him? But you know it's been tight. You know we got inflation and deflation and reciprocation and election and all this stuff going on. I bet, I, bet, I don't know. No, see, you trust your job. You trust your ability to save. You, you trust your ability to move things around and juggle things and float things and try to make it work. You don't trust God as your... It is either reflected in your budget or it's not. You either do trust or you don't. Trusting enough to do in a season where it ain't happened yet is the ultimate trust. Trusting enough to prioritize God in my budget, prioritize God in my calendar, prioritize God in my life to do trust. Even though I'm in a place where I'm not seeing what it is I wanted to see, it ain't happening for me like I wanted it to happen for me, is the ultimate trust. Truth is, most of us get like Job's wife. Do you remember Job from the Old Testament? Job was an influential, wealthy man who had so much going for him. And then, over a period of time, he literally lost it all. All his business, all his resources, his everything, his children even. Job's wife came to him. Job's laying on the ground. He got boils all over his body. His health has been taken from him. And she says, are you still trying to trust God? Why don't you curse him and die? To which Job responds, you are talking like a foolish woman. Do we only accept good from God? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we demonize Job's wife. How could she? But that's a lot of us. Because we give ourselves a pass on trusting God in this moment because, well, you know, I just don't have the time. I don't have the money right now. I'm on a fixed income. I don't have the money right now. I'm on a single income. I don't have the money right now. Things have been hot. I don't have the time right now. I got all this stuff going on. No, 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 no. You don't do trust enough right now. We have to get to the point where we wait well enough to where no matter what's going on around us, we say, I will do what trust asks of me. Whatever it means to trust God in this season, whatever it means to, to trust God in this moment, whatever trust requires of me in this time, I will do it because I want to wait well. And I know trust isn't just my thoughts and prayers. Trust isn't just my feelings. It is what I do. See, if you ain't doing what it is to trust, you ain't waiting well. If you aren't doing what it is to trust, you aren't waiting well. Because to wait well, you have to stay focused. To wait well, you have to do trust. And to wait well, write this down. Don't fear. 
Psalm 37, he keeps reminding us to not be afraid, to not be dismayed, to not be worried by all that's going on around us. Don't fear, because fear is faith in reverse. Rather than believing what God said, believing what God has promised, waiting on God to do, we put faith in what hasn't happened yet when we fear. We put faith in what continues to be difficult in this moment when we fear. We put faith in how hard it all this is when we fear or how good things are for them. I'm afraid because I see good for them and it ain't good like that for me. And so I'm afraid if you're going to wait. Well, don't fear. Don't fear what isn't happening for you because it is happening for them. Hear me very clearly. Fear will have you waiting wrong every time. Every single time. Fear will have you waiting wrong every single time because you'll do nothing when you should do something because you're scared. You'll try to control everything when really you should let go of this thing and simply do what God has said to do. The truth is you'll do all that and more in the same afternoon. <laughs> you'll try to let go and control. <laughs> Schizophrenic. You'll, you'll try to handle it all. You'll try to trust God in. Because you're afraid. If you're going to wait well in whatever space, whatever place, whatever season you find yourself in, do not fear. You know, I really believe in my heart of hearts for us as a, as a church, as a local community of faith in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, sharing the good news of Jesus, loving our neighbor. Doing, I believe that we are in the exact spot that we're supposed to be in as a church. I do. I have people ask all the time, hey, have you thought about moving over here or doing this? Like, no. I believe we are in the exact spot we're supposed to be in. These neighborhoods are the neighborhoods God's called us to. These cross sections of diversity. We live in one of the most diverse parts of a very diverse city. We are diverse economically all around us. We are diverse racially all around us. We are diverse generationally all around us. It's a beautiful thing. This is where we're supposed to be. And the way we got here was by waiting well. Now, we didn't always wait well, though. In fact, my wife and I, when we drive around sometimes, we'll start, we'll start laughing when we ask each other the question. Be like, uh, <laughs> you remember when we thought about trying to use that as a church? Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. There are probably 75 to 100 buildings uh, inside the loop <laughs> that we have walked in. There are places that some of y'all didn't even know were accessible. I kid you not. I'm, I see you, Poplar and Highland, the second floor. Y'all didn't even know there was a second floor. I see you. Like, like we have looked at so many, and sometimes we'll just start laughing. Like, do you remember when we thought about trying to, do you remember when we walked through there? And can I tell you, some of those um, journeys we found ourselves on, some of those places that we explored um, came because we were scared. I say we, I shouldn't do that to her. They came because I was scared. I remember one night, that afternoon, I had a meeting and got some just very shocking and terrible news. Our church was a few months old. And uh, I knew we were going to have to find 
a new place to meet. And I was so fearful and so angry and so whatever. I told my wife once we got our son to bed, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive around tonight. I'm going to figure this thing out. She's like, tonight? Why not in the morning? I said, no, I'm doing it right now. And on one hand, that can kind of look like faith, right? It was all fear. And I remember driving around all night long. I'd park in front of all kind of building. I parked in front of abandoned senses. I parked in front of Poplar and Highland. I parked in front of 15 different spots up and down Summer Avenue, all sorts of places. I was sending emails to realtors at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. If their name was on the building, hey, I need to walk through here. I'm a pastor. We're looking for a spot. Hey, I need to walk through here. I, like, I did all that. Nothing came of it. Just a bunch of <laughs> uh, insomnia, but nothing came of it. But when we simply did what God asked us to do, to love the people in front of us, to serve the people around us. When we just simply did what he asked us to do with what we had in the moment, he opened up, like some people say, doors no man can shut. And he drops us in a place that we were supposed to be. But we didn't get here in fear. We got here because we finally got to the point where we said, I'm not going to be afraid of what happens and doesn't happen. I'm not gonna be afraid of what's going on with them. I'm not gonna be afraid of what man can do to me. I'm gonna do what God has said to me. I'm gonna do what trust asks of me and I am not going to fear. You have to learn in your own life how to wait well, how to set your focus and not be distracted by anything going on around you. To do what trust asks of you. It's how you wait well. To make sure you do not live consumed by fear. And then write this last one down. You have to live expecting. Come on, live expecting. There has to be something on the inside of you. If you're going to wait in this season or any season well that believes what the psalmist said, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it will happen. It doesn't look like it yet, but by faith, I believe it will happen. I feel confused right now, but it will happen. I'm worried because I see them prospering and I see them advancing and nothing's changing with me. But you have faith to say it will happen. I'm not going to worry about what I have and what I don't have, but I'm going to do what trust requires of me. And I believe by faith that it will happen. I'm going to not let fear get the best of me. I'm not going to let fear take a hold of me because I believe by faith that it will There has to be a confidence rooted deep down on the inside of the seed that you are that knows that I don't care what I see. I know what he has said. The truth is the reason some of you can't wait well, aren't waiting well, don't wait well right now, is because you stopped expecting. You had a tough season. And you let that difficult season define you for good. And you stopped expecting. 
Oh, wait. <laughs> you let it bury you. When maybe that season was going to just simply plant you and develop something on the inside of you that would come out of you that nobody could deny, but you called the season your lot in life. And you let it bury you rather than just be something that was planting for you for a moment. And you stopped expecting. You stopped expecting your family to be saved. Now you just cope with the realities that they don't know God, they don't love God. And you stopped praying for them, you stopped inviting them to church, you stopped believing that they were gonna change, you stopped expecting, you stopped expecting your neighborhood to change. It's always gonna be like this, it's always gonna look like this. Crime always gonna be our problem, our school's always gonna be bad. They always gonna say terrible things, we never gonna have good things. They gonna have nice things in other places, I guess, I, no. You stopped expecting. Some of you, you stopped expecting God to use your life because it looked one way in your heart of hearts and it hadn't happened like that yet. And you stopped expecting. Friend, today, do not forget what's inside of you. You are planted, not buried. And you don't have to manipulate situations or people. You don't have to do it your own way. You don't have to try to take control of a situation, but you do have to wait well. You have to stay focused. Stop being distracted by, stay focused on what God has said, on what God has asked, on what God calls us to, and do trust. Even though nobody else understands, even though some people are like, are we really gonna try to trust God like that in this season? Yes, we are. You do trust. You, you don't give in to fear because you'll read a report or get a diagnosis or hear about what might happen and fear will try to well up on the inside of you. But you know I'm not gonna wait in fear. I'm going to wait in the confidence that God will make it happen. The expectation on the inside of me has not died. Because the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 31 says in such a familiar refrain, that those who wait on the Lord will, somebody in that chat type will, they will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord will. Not may, not could, not is possible. It will happen. So my friend today, my charge to you is to wait well. Whatever this season looks like for you. Some of you are in the middle of a season that's lasted way longer than you could ever expect it. Can I encourage you to wait well? Some of you have waited well for part of it and not waited well for other parts of it. Maybe it's not too late to get back on track and wait well. Some of you have never taken a moment of your life to wait well, but today is the day you begin to get focused. Today is the day that you begin to do what trust would ask of you. Today is the day that you shut the mouth of fear and say, I'm gonna believe what God says, not what fear is trying to tell me, because there's an expectation on the inside of me that what God has said will happen. So I'm gonna wait well, right here, 
right now because I know I'm planted, not buried. Let's pray. Father, I love you and I thank you today. I pray for my friends today. I pray for people at church online, for those listening to this podcast, watching on YouTube right now, who are waiting and they're confused. They're waiting and they're struggling. They, 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 they thought they were waiting, but really they were just a statue. They thought they were waiting, but really they was just sprinting everywhere. They, they thought they were waiting, but they were schizophrenic in their waiting. Father, I pray you would give them the confidence to be steady, to stay focused on you, to do what trust would ask of them, to not fear what's going on around them, but to live with expectation on the inside of them, that it will happen if they wait on you. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all this in your precious name. Everybody said.